to tell I know how these things go out and just sit in patiently waiting for to chat with you. Okay. Hi. Hello, everyone. My name is Monica Kretschmer, and I'm the founder and CEO of the Universal Women's Network, Woman of Inspiration Awards, and this is the Woman of Inspiration podcast, where we speak with women who are inspiring others, dreaming big, ignoring the naysayers, and making an impact locally, nationally, and globally. So today, it is my absolute pleasure to be interviewing our 100 Women of Inspiration book contributor, um, Alison McLaughlin, who is the executive director of the Kelowna Women's Shelter. So welcome, Alison. It's so great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Monica. So glad to be here. I'm glad I'm here talking with you today. Well, we had really great conversation, always in the green room, and I thought, we just got to go on live. <laughs> it, it always seems to happen. We, we talk about things that are inspiring us and important to us. And, you know, if I can share with our listeners, you're going to want to sit tight this entire talk. If you are a woman, if you know a woman that needs help and support that is has been affected by domestic violence that has tried to navigate their way um, and rebuild their life. Um, Allison, you come to us with such a, a passion for serving others and so much wealth and knowledge. So um, before we begin, I just want to go back to, you weren't always in this role. No, um, and I never thought I would be. Um, never, never saw myself in um, a leadership role, never saw myself um, as an advocate for women and children leaving or experiencing domestic abuse. Never even entered my mind as a child, as a, as a youth, as a, as a young adult, that this was a career path that I, that I was supposed to be on. So let's start there because I think that's really important when we talk about women of inspiration and leaders that are really making an impact. It's never a clear line. It's rather a journey. And so let's talk about your journey. Um, you were born and raised in West Coast, Scotland. Yes. Of course, you have a very thick accent, <laughs> which still is very much a part of you, which I love. Yes. It's so beautiful. Um, and you moved to Canada in 2009. So um, let's talk about you know, growing up, Allison, you know, you, we talked in the green room about yeah. labels yes. and the labels that you had as a kid growing up really were defining, were almost defining and holding you back. Yes. So some of those labels, maybe you can talk about that and share that with our listeners today. Yeah. So I would say the labels that, um, were, were put on me as a child would have been, um, class clown, disruptive, unattentive, you know, won't amount to much, um, doesn't apply herself, like those kind of labels um, throughout school. Um, and, and I wasn't academic. I, I did not enjoy school. I, I used it as a playground and I had a lot of fun. Um, and that's not what you're supposed to be at school for, but I had a blast um, for the wrong reasons. And so, it, it always felt like a waste of time for me. It didn't inspire me. It, it, I was bored. And I think a lot of children experience that when your brain doesn't work in the way that the, the education system set up, then you can feel lost. You can feel not good enough. Um, and I think I chose to, uh, and I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I chose to not look at it that way, not good enough. I chose the the class clown route and just say oh well edgy i'm just gonna have fun here i am um, i'm just gonna have a blast and to hell with everything else but some children you know go through the education system feeling not good enough and mm. and not smart enough and mm. and then that's that's a terrible shame because a lot of kids are not wired academically mm. and and we don't but everybody has to fit into this neat little package. And if you don't, then you're not smart, you're stupid, you're disruptive, you're this, mm. you're, you're pushed aside. Mm. So I, I mean, I did have the, 
when I was younger, I had always wanted to join the Royal Air Force. My older brother had wanted to join the Air Force. So there was a lot of pamphlets and everything sitting around my house. So I picked them up one day and I thought, well, that looks like fun. You get to travel the world and you get to leave home and you, and I was like, oh, that sounds fun. I could do that. And I did. When I was 17, I joined the Royal Air Force. Wow. So that is a huge, huge move. Now, your circle of friends. Yes. What were your peers saying when you're like, this is what I'm going to do while they're maybe packing up to travel or go get ready for university? Like, do you remember those conversations? I do. And back in the, the 80s the, um, in Scotland, certainly, university was, was for the very few. Um, as a child in my friend group, none of us had the expectation to go on to higher education. It just wasn't there. It wasn't, um, only a certain few went on to university straight out of high school in Scotland at that time. It's changed now, but back then, it was never a discussion with my family for either my brother and I, oh, well, I go on to university and never in, in, in my friends' households either. Just wasn't, it wasn't the path. It was go to school, do good enough, get a trade, get a job, and just live your life. And that get married, have get kids. married, live your life, and and that was it. That was the that was the life in in Scotland at the time. So only out of my friends group did one of my um, best friends, Siobhan, go on. Uh, stay on at school for sixth year because that would never happened either we left after fourth year we all left at 16 she was the only one that stayed on mm -hmm. to do hires and she went on to university and she's a, a partner in a firm now in a quantity severe so she took her career in that and she hates it but um that was her path but none of us did so for a lot of young kids in scotland joining the military was not a normal thing to do, but nobody would bat an eye if I said, I'm joining the Air Force and go, you're joining the Air Force? You Really? And my parents as well were like, you'll never survive. What are you going to do when someone tells you you're wrong or you have to do something a certain way? The, the whole discipline aspect to the military, everybody was like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, because you can't, you know, you can't take direction very well, Alison. You know, and I'm like, yeah, but be fun. Let's do it. And I loved it. Mm. And loved you, it. It, and so that was the first time in your life that you actually felt in where you belonged. Yes, I did. And I never had structure as a child growing up. Um, I could, I ran the streets to all times. I never had curfews. I, I, I disappear for weekends. I never had, I, I never had discipline in my house and kids need it as much as they think they don't want it. Um, so I think for me, that was the first time I had structure and discipline and mm. at, at, a, at an extreme, the military, mm. but it felt, it felt comfortable. I'd never had it before. And all of a sudden I knew where I had to be. I knew what time I had to be there at. I knew the rules and I knew what would happen if I broke them. And I had this community around me of people exactly in the same position as me uh, and the friendships and the, and, and the family mm. um, was, was what I clung to. Mm. And, I, and I loved it. And, and to, when I left the Air Force, like even for the first six months, I was like trying to claw my way back in. I couldn't couldn't function in the real world for a little while because I'd lost, I felt like I'd lost my family. Mm. And that, was that sounds like quite um, a, a real safety net. And, you know, for the parents like myself, you know, that are raising teenagers, they crave the independence. Yes. But what they really need is that safe, consistent rules, yes. structure that we provide and and there's that constant you know where they're trying to find their own voice right but that safety is really and and that you know just that belonging and really like you said knowing the time yeah. knowing the consequences 
and knowing the boundaries. That's really important. Those are life lessons. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and they taught me, you know, they taught me well. I mean, did I rebel against things? Of course I did. Um, I was lucky enough to be the first female um, to work within the, the mobility supply flight. So this was a, a, part, a branch that would go off into the field with the Chinook helicopters. Yeah. I worked on Chinooks, um, supplied the parts when they broke down and they always broke down. Um, but we would go out on exercise with the helicopters and they'd never allowed a female on that unit before for her own good, for her own safety, because you'd be with what, hundreds of men and these men just can't control themselves. I mean, I am gorgeous, but let's be fair. <laughs> but I'm sure they could control themselves. So they wouldn't let females on this unit and I and I fought and I was and I disrupted things and I went to my my um, squadron leader and I was like I want to join I want to go I want to go there and he's like oh you're you're a female and I was like yeah and I can do the job and they had to go to every squadron leader and ask them if they were okay with it I had to be put on trial uh, and eventually I got there and I was the first female to join that unit and I loved it. And there was never any issues, never any issues. Um, my colleagues, um, you know, it was like having five big brothers every time I went out or an exercise. And they and I had a blast. Again, it's all, for me, it's all about fun. Mm. If I'm not having fun, I'm not gonna be able to give you a hundred percent. It's gotta be enjoyable. and. And I and I'm proud of that. That's and I forget about that sometimes. That that's one of my most proudest moments is that I forged away. And after I left um, the Air Force, they made it a rule that for every exercise or for a number of exercises a year, they would allow a female to go. Just one or more. Yeah. Just just, just one. one. I, I hope that you're writing the letter tomorrow to see if that number has increased now. I don't, I, w- I, w- I don't know. I think it has because when I was in the military, women didn't get to go to the front lines. That's changed. So there's been a lot of changes over the years. So I'm assuming that it's, it, I'm assuming it's better, but just to even fight back then and and to be told, no, you can't because you're a, you're a woman. And, and we, how could we protect you? And I think that's, you know, that statement for me, I always flip that statement on on its head when people say things like that. And I was like, oh my God, if I was a man, I'd be so friggin' annoyed that you've just said that because what do, what are you saying about me? That I can't control myself around a woman? That I have bad intentions? What are we saying to men? Hmm. And so that one always, um, it's like, what, what what message are you sending to men? Never mind women. Mm. Like, you can't control yourselves. Like, this is out of your control. No, it's not. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. And the majority of men do not choose to harm females. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the majority of men actually really um support her yes and that choose to raise women up yes now we both know that there's men in the world that do everything but support women yes and everything they can do to pull them down yes but guaranteed they will not be the ones that women that people want to work with do business with um you know like the cream rises to the top oh Um, absolutely and, and I'm really excited to hear that you're one of those trailblazing women that said, no, I can do that job. And I think that we need to empower women yes. and youth and everybody just to take action and say, you know, if there's something that's not right, speak up about it. And, you yeah. know, now's our time to drive change. Like coming out of the pandemic, level the playing field, put women in the back seat. Well, now we're in the driver's seat and it's just small little examples that you've just shared with us that we can still empower to make change and and it, it's worth recognizing like when i was doing that when i was sh- jumping up and down saying no i want i want to do that i didn't understand or appreciate 
that this was making change for those that would come after i i did not understand that that and i think a lot of us lose sight of 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 that and don't give ourselves enough credit for that but i didn't i i wanted to i wanted that job because they got to go on exercise all over the world live in fields um and they got to wear greens whereas we would always have to wear the blues so they got to dress like the army Mm. and we always had to wear the blues i wanted i wanted to be different i wanted to be them they seemed they seemed like uh unique that they're having more fun allison they were having more fun they were were having more fun and i wanted to be a part of that and i didn't care whether it was i was a a girl and at that time 19 years old didn't care Um, i wanted to be i wanted some of that and couldn't understand why i couldn't have it Mm. um and and not realizing the change that that would bring to the system and what it would mean for women who felt the same way as i would years later i didn't understand that Mm. uh and so i'm glad i i'm glad i didn't give up and i guess that's the point is don't give up don't take no for an answer no matter what age you are don't be dismissed Mm. by systems don't be dismissed by systems because systems are broken often they're corrupt and they need to be changed so Mm. don't don't be dismissed by systems Mm. so positively disrupting things is a good thing so all of your what might have seemed like you were a child that had no structure really and defiant really enabled you to make change because you actually were able to have that voice and stand your ground and you have that confidence that is like i'm gonna make some change and i love allison how we hear about women making change like that not because they're trying to like say look at me it's because they truly feel that there needs to have that change happen and i think that that is so amazing that you're like it's not a decision i'm going to go after that role because i think i'm going to be the first because you actually have no idea that you're making such an impact and i think that's really important is just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean it can't be done and when you're motivated for the right reasons that's when the results happen absolutely it's uh, and yeah and i mean just being um asking why all the time well why because often when systems have been in place for so long um when you ask why you normally get the answer well we don't know that's just how it's always been mm-hmm. or we don't know because nobody's ever asked to, to join this or change this and it's like okay well can we start to have a discussion then because your reasoning as to why it's a no doesn't I'm not okay with that. Let's talk about it. And if it's still a no, then all right. But don't just dismiss. Mm. Oh, Allison, we're going to have plenty of conversations because <laughs> there's lots of systems that need to be changed. And oh, yeah. we've had a little bit of a chit chat in the green room about those because it, it's really, you know, why do we have to wait years and years and years for change to happen? Let's just say in the court system in the justice system that's supposed to be just, but is not really for the people that follow the rules. No, no, it's not. Um, the, the justice system, the legal system is one of them, I would say, um, you know, apart from the social service um, system as well, um, is, is pretty broken and very archaic. It lives, it lives centuries ago, too many centuries ago, um, for it to exist and support in the modern world um and judges and again it's that status um where people put themselves at a certain status and then they can't be you know there's nothing else you can teach them or or they can learn we need to break that down and be humble enough to say i don't know and I've, I don't think I've ever heard many judges make that statement. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Um, and and I, I went through my career when I got into the to the sector, um, working with women and children with domestic abuse, of, of being really humble to the fact that I don't know. 
Um, I've never experienced the issue myself to any level. So for me to walk in and all of a sudden try to tell or speak with someone who has experienced that I know, no, that that would be that would be wrong in so many levels. I don't know, and I'm very. I owe everything that I have to the women and children I've supported over the years. Mm. Everything, and my, my mentors and the women and children. I wouldn't be here without them. I wouldn't be here without their stories. I'm privileged to be an advocate for them to let to still tell their stories. Mm-hmm. I owe it all to them because I don't know. But so they let, do. So I want to talk about how you got to that point. So we know where your destructive, you know, <laughs> yeah. nature comes from, which is actually a gift. Yes. Right? It's actually a blessing and a true gift. And I think that that's really important for and, and kids. And I tell my yes. son this all the time because he is, you know, ADHD and he has learning disabilities and school has been really tough on him his whole life. But yet knowing that he has to work that much harder all the time, that his work ethic and how much harder he had to work all the time will actually benefit him in the real world, right? Where it's easy for some people. It's always been hard for him. So he's always been a hard worker. So let's talk about now when you left the Air Force. And so I really want people to sort of understand that leadership journey. I think it's really Mm -hmm. interesting how, you know, some women get into professions because they have a lived experience. Yes. You said, I don't have a lived experience, but tell us about your journey. How led you to this point? Absolutely. So when I left, I was lost, Um, lost, like I said. And so I I just went from job to job, not really, not really settling settling in anything. And, And I started working just a security job at our local airport. And it was just so destroying to me. And I, I went home and said to my, my husband, my partner, I'm going to go back to school. And he's like, all right. And I'm like, I'm going to go back to school. And I'd started watching Dr. Phil. Yeah. Dr. Phil, if you're listening. Dr. Phil, if you're listening. Big fan. Don't agree with everything you say, but some stuff, you're all right. Um, and... For some reason, I decided that I wanted to be a psychologist for some reason. So I went, I had to go back to college. I had to do two years um, at college because I didn't have the grades when I left school. Mm -hmm. So I had to scale up. I did two years at college and then my grades were good enough that I got accepted into third year at university to do a BA in psychology. Wow. Um, I chose to go in at second year because I thought I, I'm not going to set myself up to fail. But I was I could have went in at third year. I chose to go in at second because I think I still needed the learning. So I went back to university. I got my um, honors degree in psychology, a 2-1. Um, and I left. While I was doing my degree, I worked in a coffee shop. I had two children. I had a baby was born just as I went into fourth year of university and I had a five-year-old and I worked in a coffee shop at weekends. So while I was working at a coffee shop, there was this woman that would come in all the time and she was a little bit, you know, she liked things the way she liked them and she was lovely, but some of the other staff didn't like to serve her because she was a bit, she knew what she wanted and she knew how she wanted it kind of woman and so I would serve her because I was like yeah I quite like her she's got that little attitude that I like yeah so we just started talking and talking and her name was Sandra and she was the lead training officer for Women's Aid which is the local organization for domestic abuse in Scotland Mm -hmm. and she would come in on a Saturday or Sunday with her husband they'd sit and have a coffee she'd like it a certain temperature and we just chat she knew I was at university and then one day she just turned to me and she went, would you want to come and help me train, co-facilitate? And I was like, sure, all right. Because I thought, oh, again, great experience and great learning. Um, and she was like, okay, before you do that, you have to come and do some training with me. Set in as a participant on my training. And I did that. 
And that first day I sat in that room with all those other participants and I listened to her and I watched her and I listened to the stories of the women and children she supported over the years. And I went home that night and I said to my husband, oh my God, we need to do something about this. This is ridiculous. And it changed my life. Mm. And, and all of a sudden I felt inspired, like I had something to fight for again. Mm. Like this, this is terrible. And I would be like, do you know this happens? And do you know, and he's sitting there going, whoa, just trying to have my dinner. And you're, <laughs> and I'm like, this, this, this. And, and I, the passion that it, that she, um, enlightened in me and the issue as well and and I trained I helped Sandra out for a number of years and we became really really close and I consider her I, I when I was writing this the other day I actually had tears in my eyes when I was writing that piece about her um, and I'm, they're coming again so, so um, for those for those that are listening um so um Allison is one of the 100 women of inspiration book contributors where we interview um women across Canada and we share the leadership stories and um, the voices from diverse industries. So um, one of the questions that we have for the book that when it's released was who is that woman who has inspired you? And so your answer to that was Sandra. Sandra, Sandra Payton. Yeah. Um, and, and then a job came up with Women's Aid to develop a rural outreach program. And she coached me. She she didn't give me the answers because that would be cheating but she coached me and she told me and and i got the job with with women's aid so i was now an employee and i shared an office with her and and she was just when i left to come to canada she gave me everything she had a, a pen drive she put all of her training material on it all of her research she and she handed it to me and she said you go keep doing what you're doing and I'm going to tear up but she gave me everything so all of the work she'd done over the years mm. she handed it over to me and and that has allowed me to continue on in my path as well mm-hmm. and just the belief that she had in me I've never had anybody have that level of belief in me and and she didn't know me I served her coffee mm. so I often want to ask her what what the hell did you see Sandra, FYI, if you're listening, um, please respond to Allison ASAP. Yeah, what did you see? And I, and I could, I could message her and say, what did you see that day? Because I didn't see, I don't, I didn't see what you saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where it started. Um, I, and that's why I say I never thought about this career. I never thought about this issue. Um, yet somebody, somebody saw something. And it, and, it, and it just catapulted me into this world, into this sector. And I have never looked back since, mm. never. Um, and so again, came to Canada, moved, decided that I had used all my skills and knowledge at the frontline level and that I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was participated enough that I felt I had more to give. So I made a decision to step into management because I thought, well, I can, how can I use my skills differently? I've got the front, and I don't mean to sound big headed, but I've got the front line work down. I've got it down. I could do it all day long. Where can I, where can I go next? So I moved into management um, and, and like, for the first few months of moving into management, I sat at my desk thinking any minute they're gonna come in here and say, ah, we made a mistake, you're, you're not. And, Cause I just felt like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm managing a team of, um, you know, 15 plus people who are looking at me for guidance and leadership. And I'm like, oh dear, what have I done? Imposter syndrome. Yes, yes. How did you get over that, Allison? You're not the first no, I, I and women are listening right now going, yeah, that's me. That's me. We've yep. all experienced it. I had a great mentor there as well, Heather Morley, um, who who would who was there and who would she would complete autonomy. She didn't micromanage. I would say I'm thinking about doing this and she would go, 
go for it. And and it, and it really like that confidence built up. And then when you start, all of a sudden I would start to say things to to the team and it would resonate and I would see change. And I was like, oh, maybe I do know what I'm doing. Maybe I do have, maybe I can do this. And so slowly it just became that confidence and having someone beside you that also you know saw that confidence so slowly I didn't start I, I stopped feeling like an imposter and started to feel like a leader um, and and for me in anything I've done trust and honesty and vulnerability are key I was vulnerable with the team. I would say, you know, I, I made a mistake. I also had, I, I'd also not just talk in the talk, I'd walk the walk. So when they would come to me with something, an issue with a woman or a family or a struggle, I could speak to that because I'd done it. And they knew that and they knew the work that I'd done. So they were receptive to that because I wasn't just, it didn't just come out of a book or just, fell into management because of my education. I worked my way up, which I think a lot of women have to do in the world, is they have to start at the bottom and work their way up. Um, and yeah, that was that. Uh, I built that, I, we built that team, very, very successful team. A lot of them are still friends today. I, I could regard them as good friends. And then Heather moved to the YWCA and she contacted me probably about two years later and said, I have an opportunity. Our emergency shelter is not functioning the way I want it to. Do you want to come over and take it on? And I said, yep, sign me up. Um, because again, mentors, I would follow Sandra or Heather if they were to go and work at McDonald's, I'd be at the drive through because I think leaders are leaders wherever they are. Um, and I and I went and I I went to the YW to take on that team. Five of my ex-colleagues came with me, which I also think is, um, is uh, you know, something that I'm proud of, is that when I moved, they were like, okay, get us a job, have you got a job? And eventually I, I had five of them come over and join my team at the YW. Um, built that team up, fabulous team. And then I sat there at my desk again going, okay, they don't need me here. I'm done, they don't need me. They're good, they've got it. They're fabulous, they don't need me. What's my next challenge? The next challenge for me was moving up again to executive director, how can I use my skills differently? Uh, and so I was fortunate enough to get the job at Kelowna Women's Shelter and here I am um, and finding new ways to use my skills and having to develop new skills at this level that I never anticipated, but love a good challenge. <laughs> so your leadership journey was really, I mean, you've, I, I love, I love how you're like, are they going to kick me out of the office? It's so, let me ask you this. Do you think leaders were born or is it something it's learned? I would say it's, and this is a cop out. It's, it's more, it's a little bit of both, but I would say it's more born. I'm always more of that side of the nature nurture argument. Um, I, I did my master's in leadership through Royal Roads four years ago now. Best, best, if anybody's thinking about it, best two years of my life, best learning experience. And I did not want to do it. I wanted to do my master's in forensic psychology. And it was Heather Morley that said, mm, maybe you should look at this. Mm. And I did, and, and best two years leadership training of my life. Mm. So I learned a lot there. But had I not had the innate ability or instinct, mm -hmm. I, would I would still have been a leader, possibly not as good as a one as I think I am. And that's me being really, really 
tooting my own horn here, but yes, you toot your own horn. We're about <laughs> stepping in the spotlight, celebrating your successes, yes. owning your worth. You yes. go, yes, own yes. it. So I think if it had been for the Nate um, tenacity or the ability that I have um, to be in relationship with others and that vulnerability, I don't think I would have been as good a leader as I am. Mm. Yes, the learning's great, but I think you need both or else you you know, you don't come across as authentic as a leader if you're just basing it on um, learning. Right. That's my opinion. It, you know, others can, can differ for that and that's fine. But I think, especially in the sector that I am in, then that relational leadership is key. Other mm. sectors may be different, but my sector, if you don't have relationships, you can't do the work. Mm. You have to be able to, you're, the higher you go in your leadership role, the more you are, you're of service to the people that you lead, is what I've found. Yes, absolutely. And how can I give them, like what's, like Sandra handing me that pen drive, how can I hand them my pen drive, if you like, my, what can, how can I give them my knowledge mm. and my tools so they can go on and grow and develop in their careers. Because that's what it's all about. Mm. It's about coming into coming into an organization for me and leaving it better than you found it. Mm. And being able to sit there like I did that day at the YW and go, I, they don't need me. And that is fabulous. Mm. It's not like, oh my God, they don't need me. I have to disrupt something to keep myself in a job. It was, Oh my God, they don't need me. That is amazing. Mm. This is awesome. Mm. Time to go. Mm. Well, I know that I've talked to a couple of um, your leaders, um, you know, briefly, um, and they're super excited about having you part of their team in Kelowna. Um, but I know that comes as a little bit of a, I want to say that that reach for that baton or that opportunity was also you know, it's a little bit different for your family as well. And I think, you know, so I want to talk about that balance piece and, yeah. you know, somehow sometimes making those decisions to step forward, there's a little bit of a sacrifice on the other side. Would you, so let's talk about, you know, I know that your husband is still, um, he's not in clone with you and neither nope. are your kids. Nope. So you're, um, you're, solely focused on your work now in Kelowna yes and you've got your your family that you're you know working back and forth and working remotely so how yeah. has that been for you I would say last year has uh, I mean it was tough and it was an, an adjustment um my husband has always been extremely supportive throughout we've been together 25 years so very supportive throughout my career um I could not have done my my bachelors without him like I said we had a five-year-old and a newborn baby um, and he had his career as well so I'm very fortunate to have that that support behind me and sometimes I maybe take it for granted um, but I couldn't have done it without his support and 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 because he knows how important my career is to me um, and how passionate I am about the work that I do he when I came to him that day and said, I've applied for a job, we were at dinner and I said, I've applied for a job. And he just looked at me and he went, where? Because I'll go anywhere. So he was like, where? And I was like, Kelowna. And he's like, okay. And our mantra when I do this stuff is, well, it's only a conversation. And he's like, all right, it's only a conversation. Um, so, I mean, and then COVID hit, so it's been really tough because our plans changed. My youngest daughter was going to move back to Scotland when she graduated last summer and that was, mm. she couldn't do that. And so there was a lot of challenges that we had to work through. Um, uh, and as a, as a woman, I, that balance is always a dance that we, that we, that we feel we have to do. We don't have to do it. Mm. but we feel we have to do it and and this I don't feel guilty or 
given it any second thoughts about the choice I made to move to Kelowna. I don't. And, and some people will be wiggling their fingers saying, bad woman, how could you do that? No, I'm a, I'm a human being. I have needs. And um, I have never, ever sacrificed my wants and my needs for my family. My family's never suffered. In fact, I've taught my girls skills that I wish I had been taught. Mm. Like you do not... You, you, you know, you don't have to have dinner on the table at five o'clock. Um, you don't have to get up in the morning and make your husband um, a packed lunch. You don't have to have coffee at 8 p.m. every night like my mother used to do. You don't have to ask for extra money if you need it. That was all the things I watched growing up. And as a woman, I said, you know what? That'll never be me. If you want a packed lunch, make your damn own. If your dinner's not on the table at five, if I'm not hungry, then guess what? We're not eating. So I made those choices as a young person watching my parents and said, I will never be that. Mm. So what I've given my daughters hopefully is independence, um, showed them that they have the right to decide what they want in that moment for them. That doesn't mean they're disrespectful, mm. but it means they put themselves first. And I, and I hope that's what I've shown them, is that they will put themselves first. Mm. Because I don't think as women we do that. Mm. We're not taught to do that. And if we do it, if we do do it, then we're labeled. Mm. And if we don't do it, we're labeled by other women, mainly. So for me, damned if you do, damned if you don't. So do you know what? Do what you want. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you smile. Do what your passion lies. Because at the end of the day, work, we work for what, 50, 60 years? My God, we better be happy. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I love, and I mean, so thank you so much first. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I, listeners, by the way, I, I warned you, this will be a really great, great interview. I love your authenticity, Allison. Um, that's what a lot of everybody struggles with that defining yeah. their own personal journey, but having responsibility as, as a wife, as a parent. And, you know, like, why do we as women have to put our hopes and our dreams on hold or pause, yes. but why can't we be moving forward at the same time? And yes. the way that you articulated that is that you're actually paving the way for your daughters to step into their own greatness is what that's okay uh so i'm just gonna sorry about that okay i took a little time out my four-legged daughter um of course she uh had to use the ladies room outside <laughs> my dog that's it my dog um but i just want to jump back into you know we were talking about the choices that you made for yourself to career to to continue your career journey and how it actually was empowering your daughters to step into their yes. own passion and following what they want with confidence and determination yes. i can't tell you how important that is for an example for other women to move forward like thank you for your authenticity because with what you just shared, so many women I know struggle. I mean, that guilt yes. that we have as parents to, you know, put our dreams and our passions on hold because we want to raise the most incredible human beings there yes. are. And our role as mothers are so very important. Um, but I think that that's really important to talk about that stuff. So thank you so much for sharing that, that really important conversation and I hope that the listeners um, are really just re-looking at the way their own leadership journeys are and and kind of having some forgiveness about yes. you know just it's okay to want more and it's okay yes. to be going after your dreams now and putting those um, those systems and that learning in place and you know I also want to talk about the importance of your support network yes. 
you know, you mentioned that your husband is a cheerleader. Yes. So let's talk about the role of our male allies. That's a really big conversation. It's one that's really important yes. to me, especially as a mom of a boy. I yes. want to make sure that he's a good support and cheerleader for women when he's older. So Allison, yes. tell me about your support network and those mentors. I know you talked about your husband, but how important is it to have great male allies? Uh, extremely important, especially in, in the work that I do in this sector. Um, you know, one thing I, I, I talk about all the time when I train on domestic abuse is that the, the individuals with the most power to end and bring about change in this issue is non-abusive men. Mm. Not women, even though we do the majority of the work, it's not women, it's non-abusive men hold the power to um, disrupt the patterns within abusive perpetrators. Mm. So uh, as, a, as a profession for me, male allies are key and male champions are key. We need them, we want them, we can't do it without them. Yeah. Um, personally, for me, I, I respond better to male coaches than female. And that's been my entire life. I don't, and I haven't quite figured that out yet, um, why that is. Uh, but I I, ha I had a male coach and I still work with him now. He does a lot of work for, for me. Um, his name's Dan as well. There's a lot of Dans in my life. Gets confusing. Because <laughs> um, my friends will look at me and go, is this coach Dan or Dan? And I'll be like, no, this is coach Dan. So they're like, okay, right. Just so we know which one we're talking about. Um, and he came into my life um, a few years ago at the YW when we were doing some culture building with our team. And we've been friends ever since. And he became my personal coach. And really just, I, I don't know what it is, but just the way that he, you know, he would speak to me and the, the honesty and being really honest with me, call me out on my stuff. And I'm not sure if I, deal with that better when it's a male than I do when it's a female. I'm not sure I haven't figured that out yet. Still learning about that. But he's been a huge influence in my life as well and, and got me through some very, you know, dark times when I wasn't doing so well at the YW. Um, really worked me through that space as a leader and because I wasn't showing up the way that was that I wanted to. And so really helped me through that. And I knew I wasn't showing up. And that really impacted me negatively because for me my work is everything mm. and when I'm not showing up then it, it, I feel it um, and I was really making myself quite un, unwell mm. so he was a huge support to me and a, a huge influence in my life of getting me through that time um, and a true believer in the work that we do he's supporting he provided coaching and support to the team in Kelowna. So he follows me everywhere. I, I bring him in everywhere I go as well. Again, setting up those networks, I think, of those people, those mentors and those people that you know, the foundation, that you can call them up six months later or a year later and say, hey, what you up to? Got an opportunity? Are you interested? And they say, absolutely. That's key, is those foundations. And I've been really lucky to mm -hmm. find them early on and continue to build them. And again, a relationship, it's all about relationship. So he's been huge. Um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna jump in here. Yes. I don't think it's luck, Alison. You like, do? I, I, I really truly believe that when you invest in those relationships, mm -hmm. that it's not about luck, that those support networks that we all build and the networks that we build, it's because you care yeah, and they're they're uh, an actual um, the um, evidence of your commitment to building those relationships. Oh, thank you for thank you for saying that. Yeah, um, yeah, okay, I own that. I'll take that. Thank you. Um, and yeah, and I think it is. I mean, when I look back, all the colleagues that I left behind in Alberta, you know, one of them contacted me the other day and said, "Some one of my teams moving to Kelowna." Is there anything in your organization? She's really cool. So to have that, those connections and that network with people that you've built up and people that actually want 
to stay in contact with you. I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, that is a testament to to what I bring to the table and what they bring to the table as well. So, and that has been the foundation. Um, you know, I grew being in the military, being around a lot of males. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable there. I'm comfortable in that world, which is surprising considering I work in a women's sector. It's like, wow, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. But males can't do this work without them. Yeah. Um, my husband said there's only one person in the world that can tell me I'm wrong, and that that's Sandra Payton. Um, there's only one person that can tell me that I'm wrong and that's that gets away with it and that's Sandra he said that for years and I laugh at that and I'm like and I'm thinking yeah you're right there is you don't get to tell me I'm wrong but she can and I'll go what is that movie oh father of the bride with Mm. at the beginning when she's coming down the stairs and Steve Martin says you should put a jacket on it's cold and she goes no and the boyfriend says you should and she goes yeah okay and puts it on that's like, <laughs> that's what I think of. I'm like, yeah, if he, if my husband was to say, I'd be like, shut up. If Sandra was to say, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. I should do that. Well, we all need many Sandras in our we world. We do. And many and... male advocates as well. So I love the, the white ribbon campaign that was started. That's male led um, the fight against violence against women, um, the white ribbon campaign. So we need more of those mm. more um, male champions, non-abusive men have the power. Mm. And I truly do believe that. I know that for our road trip, our 2021 road show. Um, and of course the contributors are on these graphic trucks going across not just Canada, but even North America. And, you know, so people are seeing visible women's photos, but there's actually, um, we have a male photo on the trucks as well. And it was, you know, as question, Monica, why do you have a male picture on that truck? I said, because it's really important that we actually have some male allies and champions yeah. as visible yes. support hers for women as well. And, and, that's also part of our awards for women of inspiration. We actually have a category where women can nominate men that are champions, because I think it's really important that we validate their worth and how important it is so that we can move the needle for women to succeed. Yes, I I completely agree. And we need to get rid of these um, myths or stereotypes around the women's movement and because if we play into these myths and stereotypes, it holds us where certain people want us held. Um, but if we if we start to to break those and say, oh no, males, we we want male champions. We need them. We want them on our side. They are they are on our side. We are not an exclusive group. We are not excluding because of gender. Come on in and join us because we need you and that is and and as a women's movement that's the voice because for so long we've been the stereotype has been you know I get all the time you know you just hate men no I don't I actually really really like spending time with men I don't like abusive people or violent men but I I'm not a man hater so we need to the women's movement needs to start having more of that voice we're so siloed and we're like oh well they're just crazy women they just want it all they want well, not all. not in the universal women's network i gotta no. say no we are we are really trailblazing in that area and it's really and i have to say that it's met with some naysayers yes of course um when i initially you know support her was actually started was in 2018 at the height of the me too movement because i really looked at my son and i'm like where are your good role models where are your role models that you can look up to and you know like the good the good men that are making a positive impact that are empowering women not tearing them down and i was like let's highlight those men let's bring them in and i have got to say since that moment allison it has been nothing but pure purely embraced and the ones that don't embrace it we're not going to worry about it no we're going to go with the the ones that it's embracing we're going to make a big change and a ripple effect and that's actually raising the bar to support absolutely 
that's what that tracking, that graphics tracking, yes. you know, why we're really creating these opportunities for conversations to be heard and leaders to be raised and stories to be shared like we're doing right now. So Allison, I have got to say it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Um, we had lots to talk about and I'm really yes. excited for your contribution to come out in the 100 Women of Inspiration book. Um, for those that are listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I know that we had a really powerful lengthy podcast today, but I know there was lots of things that we touched on from leadership to women empowerment to career path to finding your own voice um, to, you know, disrupting change um, to avoiding those labels um, yes. with our kids, right? Because they stick. But, uh, you know, before we leave, I just, I always like to know, um, what is your definition of a woman of inspiration? Oh, and I can't remember how I answered that question, but my definition of a woman of inspiration is someone who raises other women up and sees that as an opportunity to support as opposed as something that's going to detract from them. Um, so it's someone that raises other women up mm. and it's, yeah. And, and, and that, that, that actually makes them feel, um, empowered as opposed of, uh, if I give you this, that's you're I'm being disempowered. It's like, nope have everything and raise go go forge your own path for me that is the definition and with that again sandra payton that is my definition of a woman of inspiration is take everything i have it's not at a loss to me and and go forge your own path mm. and you've just answered part two to that with who inspires you and i think you articulated yes. sandra Yes, yes, she, yeah, should she's still in the sector. She's in the Orkney Islands. She opened up a women's aid or helped opened up a women's aid on the Orkney Islands. There'd never been one there. And she's still forging a path and being an advocate and voice for women and children. So she continues to, to do the work and inspire others, including myself. Well, I look forward to meeting her. I think that's easier said than done now. Yes. Because <laughs> we have the ability to say, Sandra, let's have yes. a panel. Let's invite you in. Let's talk oh, I would more love that. stuff about women and children. We're going to make that happen. We're going to make Oh, please. I would love that. List. And she would love, well, she might love, she would love having the, the discussion. She wouldn't love the praise. She would be, if she was listening to this right now, she'd be sitting there going, oh, enough already. Stop it. I'm not that, she hates well, praise. We'll help her get past that. I think <laughs> we can help her get past that because that only empowers others to do the same. Yes. So it's just a rewiring of, of stepping into the spotlight, how it's a good thing. It really helps others. Just like telling yes. your story today, how many other women raised their hand now can really step into owning their own stories and not feeling guilty about, you know, having to make the sacrifices yes. to do that. Yes. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Well, I think so. And I really, once again, would love to thank you so much for your authenticity. Um, you are a disruptor and a leader. And I'm so, so excited to have you part of the 100 Women of Inspiration book. Um, and for those that are, you know, see these graphic trucks um, that are on the roadways across Canada leading yep. to the 2021 Roadshow that will be in the fall. Yes. Look and spot Allison on the truck somewhere because these are leaders um, from diverse industries with yes. an amazing voice that are actually making true impact. So Allison, is there any last words you'd love to share with our listeners today? I would just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be part of um, the Universal Women's Network. I I love what you're what you've created and I'm so thankful uh, to be a part of it in any way that I can and to share my story and the story of, of other women. I think it's really important and let's celebrate. Awesome. And we will do plenty of that. No, that is my guarantee you. We will do plenty of that and we're going to have some fun along the way. So yes. um, the fun patrol will be in full force because Good. I believe that you have to have fun and enjoy what you're doing and be passionate about it. So yes. thank Absolutely. you so much, Allison. Um, it's been a pleasure um, for those that are listening um, to get a hold of Allison. What is the best way if they want to reach out to you at all? Is that LinkedIn? 
Um, yes, I'm on LinkedIn or they can go on to Kelowna Women's Shelter, um, our website, and they can get my contact details there and uh, my emails on there. It's such a long email and with this accent, the vowels don't come out right. So just check the website for my uh, email address and feel free to LinkedIn or give me an email. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And so if you do want to contact Allison, send her a little probably a LinkedIn or visit the website, but please mention the podcast. So she has a little bit of an insight <laughs> of to where uh, the connection was so she can accept that. And I look forward to the journey and the road ahead on the 2021 Roadshow with you, Allison. I know that there's lots of work that we um, can do. Um, you're a disruptor in the most positive light and I look forward to um, the road ahead. Thanks Thank you everyone. Very much. Thank you.